We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We just beat Oregon State, and we beat them soundly. Rob, what's up? How you doing, co-host? What's going on? I am what? How how far how far off from the win are we? We we won like a little over twenty four hours ago, like forty eight hours ago, right? Just about eight forty four. It's about four forty eight hours ago. Two small days. Yeah. Uh, and it still feels good. I called Nam on the way home on Saturday, and uh, we're having a little chat, and uh, he goes. Enjoy the win. You get 24 hours. And I was like, why are you giving me Coach Wilcox coach speak? Like on a phone call. Like, why are you doing this right now? And he actually referenced that conversation in his uh, novel this week, too, which I thought was hilarious. But I'm still enjoying the win, man. It's um, I am. Th- I was thoroughly excited afterwards. You and I both. We had a great uh, just end of the night. I enjoyed my Sunday. I think you enjoyed your Sunday as well. You were out, you know, enjoying concerts outdoors for the first time in quite some time. Um, Really counting on my Pfizer vaccine. Yeah. Big time. I was just thinking about it today. I'm like, wow, keep chugging along a little Pfizer vaccine. (laughs) All my friends that I was out there with, it was like, yeah, I got COVID. The other one was like, yeah, I got COVID. I didn't want to tell you. I was like, what the hell have you guys been doing in the city? (laughs) And then... And then I'm over there. I'm like, all right, I'm surrounded by 70,000 people right now. Uh, come on, little Pfizer vaccine. You got this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. Besides yeah. that, I was at a, a small Halloween party. Not 70,000, more like 25 people. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was that was our weekend. And now we're on Monday morning and we're recording this. And I got to say, still feels good. <laughs> still feels good. I already looked at the line for next week. I was like, minus 11, that feels good too. It does feel good. It does feel good. But we can talk about that in a little bit because whenever we, 
yeah, we'll talk about exercising some demons and some demons that we do need to exercise when we enter that state of Arizona. Um, yeah, that's like it's like in uh, Lion King. That's like the land you don't go, Simba. Like everything that the sunshine touches is yours, <laughs> except for that state of Arizona. Not allowed to go there. Such a good reference. That was amazing. <laughs> take us to take us to Lion King, Rob. Uh, okay, so I wanted to start with the opportunity for you to talk about what made this day so special, and I feel oh. like there's three kind of key segments here. Got it. We had the home field apparel launch drop extravaganza. Goodbye, money, hello, dopes, really dope <laughs> yeah. collateral or uh, you know, merch, if you will. Uh, second, we had the tailgate, which includes some other things I'm not going to spoil, and then we can go to the game. So it doesn't have to be in that order, but I would love to hear exclusively, not mine, your thoughts on the preamble to the Oregon State game. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to write this as a post, but I, I feel like the audio version might do it better justice because I I think for me personally, I think I'm better speaking than I am a writer. Uh, so let's start at the top. Let's start. Let's give you a little timeline, right? Let's let's take a little travel back in time. One week ago to the day, uh, we I wake up Monday morning and I see an email from or I, I see a DM from Homefield Apparel and they're like, hey. Uh, we're launching our cow line on Saturday. Shh, still a, still a secret. Uh, well, not anymore. Uh, but at the time, and, uh, we wanted to do a little partnership with you guys and, uh, get it all started and kick it off. And I was like, oh dear God. Yes, please. Yes, please. And, um, it took a little bit. It took about a week to like get all, every, all the, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and everything signed and, and delivered and, uh, come friday is like when it all culminated and they were like yeah you guys can start uh promoting the the coupon code that you got and uh yeah we they like said that they were launching it like i think on wednesday and then we got to announce that we were having a partnership with them on friday and then the line drops i think 9 a.m or 8 a.m on saturday morning and it just goes wild um and it was so cool to be part of that that entire week leading up to it, like, you know, I, it was like just all these things under wraps. Like I knew I saw a bunch of the designs before anyone else had. And I was like, people are going to love this. Like people are going to absolutely eat this up. And like, I, I know you've made your order. You've made, you made a significant order, uh, for parents and yourself and, um, all that. And I have also made a significant order. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's been super cool, uh, at least just just taking that in, in its own little vacuum, right? Uh, being a part of that, you know, uh, if, you ha if you've been living under a rock and you don't know about this, Homefield Apparel uh, is a big brand from the Midwest, and they do a lot of retro designs, right, um, for college football teams. And they buy the licensing and acquire it and start working on certain schools, and Cal fans have been clamoring, at least the guys that follow Homefield Apparel have been clamoring for a Cal line. And it finally drops. You can take a look at the designs on homefieldapparel.com. It's super sick. Um, all the Oski stuff. There's some Oski stuff. I was talking to this with, uh, who's I talking to this about? But 
I can't remember, but, I, but basically, basically what I was saying is there's OSCE designs in there. And granted, my Cal knowledge only goes back, only goes back so far. But some of the OSCE designs are ones I have never seen before. Like the OSCE Wow Wow and the Defend the Haas OSCE, like where he's walking sideways, like the caricature one. Like I had never seen that OSCE before. And I was like, we had that in in the catalog and we've never used it before. Like, man, <laughs> come on. What are you guys doing? Uh, get that marketing out there. And so, yeah, the shirts are great. The hoodies are great. Like I'm, I ordered the, the crew neck hoodie that has the bears uh, font across the chest. Uh, it's like that old school bears, like the Jason Kidd um, era of like basketball jerseys, like bears across. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's absolutely stellar. And so once again, if you're living under a rock, if you follow right for California, the code is right for Cal and it gets you 15% off your first order. It would mean a lot if you guys use the code plus, cause it gives you 15% off. Um, but we're trying to also help amplify their, uh, brand within the Cal community. And maybe, maybe this, the more we buy brings along maybe another collection of Cal stuff that they launch later down the road. That's a big, maybe, but it would be nice. Like they have, I think what, 13 designs up there. I would love more. I would absolutely love more and I would, I would buy more. And I think Andy, the same, Andy, what did you think about the, the home field apparel stuff? Well, I think something that's really cool about them, you did a great job covering it was that they really take the time to get to know the story and the university that they're partnering with, uh, in a way that almost under armor did a good job with on the initial release, but then has obviously done a less and less and less good job every single year. And now Under Armour is basically obsolete. And so something like this comes in, it's like, we're also a fan base that has been starved of innovative designs for a while now. So just to have someone that's actually thinking that way, hey, we want to actually partner with you. We want to capture the actual essence of what Cal is. I felt like they really did a good job with that. You know, some of the shirts of like, you know, you tell the whole damn world, this is bear territory. Like I bought that one uh, for myself. Because, you know, it's something that I say all the time, but it's not something that I necessarily have ever had written down on a shirt. I'm not a big like words on shirt type of guy anyways. I'll rock that any day of the week. Um, and then yeah, there, I, bought, I bought a lot, but it was great. I, I remember distinctly like waking up early and it was like eight and it dropped. And so I was like up really early before I wanted to be up. I was supposed to play at a tennis tournament. And instead I was just buying Cal, Cal gear <laughs> and it just kicked the day off in a really great way. You know, it just felt like I immediately tweeted about it. Homefield immediately retweeted that. Like it just, you know, it just, and it just kept going. And like the momentum from that really never stopped until, you know, I think Saturday night and even Saturday night, you could carry that kind of the happy vibes through the rest of the weekend. And even today. So you know, huge things here. I think one, uh, I think they were pleased from what I could tell based on their uh, social, on their Twitter feed that, you know, with the response. And I'm sure there's people out there that aren't on Twitter that don't know about this and then we'll get to check it out. I know I told my buddy about it who went to law school at Cal. Um, and he said that after I told him about it, another friend of his had mentioned that he should buy some stuff. Um, so he just sort of knew it was going beyond just us, like just people that were really paying attention. So Hopefully that continues. And then as far as us going forward, I think that, you know, there's an opportunity here 
to look at what's happened and, you know, see it, see, you know, it would be awesome if home field could just take over, <laughs> but I don't know if they actually do any of that stuff. And, uh, but you know, it just gives me, I, I still think like Jordan brand is now back to being like top of my list for apparel for us. Um, a la Michigan, but yeah, great start to the day. So take us. All right. So what? All right. So there we go. That yeah, happens. That so happens. This is like eight to nine a.m. Pacific. All right. <laughs> then at eleven a.m. or eleven thirty a.m. Pacific, we pick it back up and we go back to Rob. What are you doing? Where are you? And why? I am heading out of the house. I'm heading north tailgate because Pac-12 Network had decided to come down, film our tailgate, and have like an entire segment in the Pac-12. T- Pac-12 pregame like tailgate segment that airs like an hour before the their game sh- or like their wherever they're hosting from, um, and so yeah, so so let me take you back a little bit further and how that came about. So I get a me- I get a uh, DM from Ashley Adamson, Pac-12 Network host, both to myself and Avi. It wasn't just to me, and she was like, "Hey guys, we're heading to Berkeley this week," um, you know. The first thing is she was like, you know, what ideas have you do you guys have for like costumes and such? And Avi gave out the great idea of you guys should be Care Bears, which is what led to that hilarious uh, picture of Nigel Burton, like with the straight face wearing a Care Bear costume on set. And he does not look happy. Um, Absolutely great picture of all time. And we and Avi uh, was the, the Kickstarter for all of that. Uh, and then she's like, how else, what else can we do to like help amplify you guys? And like, what can we do? And, you know, we, I was like, I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, and I was just like, you guys can stop by the tailgate and like take B-roll if you want. Cause you know, you know, like you see a college football game on TV and you usually get like the B-roll, like as it cuts to a timeout or something. And it's like somebody grilling, you know, like a hot dog, like it does you, any sports game you watch, you've seen those B-roll cuts. Yes. Right? yes any sports absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you guys can come down and, you know, we could definitely help you out and, you know, um, all of that. And, um, and just, and even with that, uh, actually just like throughout the week was like, what else can you guys, what else can we do? And we were like, yeah, we can help you out with some stats. You know, like we can give you some stats. We can give you some like fun things to read off the air. And Peter and Christopher H, uh, both awesome, awesome writers on the site. They both said, hey, uh, here's some like interesting stats uh, you guys can read on the air. And we sent all of that over. Uh, I haven't been able to watch the pregame or the postgame. So I don't know to what extent they used any of those. uh, But I know I know that Ashley had them on hand. So they had all of that and they were going to use that and and. you know, just kind of anecdotally talk about us to be like, yeah, the guys from Ref California like mentioned this, that, and you know, so on. Uh, and then now fast forward to sat or fast forward to Friday, fast forward to Friday. So the day before the game, uh, I had planned to meet up with Ashley Adamson to give her a right for Cal sweater, right? Um, because she's she was so kind to us the entire week, and as I'm going to meet Ashley, she texts me and says, Hey, uh, oh, okay. Sorry. A little bit further back. I got a text message from Ashley earlier on like Thursday is saying that one of the cameramen might not be able to make it. So they might not have time to come and shoot the segment at our tailgate. And I was like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Like whatever works. 
now fast forward back to Friday and I'm going to meet her and she texts me saying, Hey, the cameraman's like good to go. Like we're going to come to the tailgate. Let me set you up with the producer who's going to come down to film only for me to find out that it wasn't that they were coming to film B roll. They were actually coming to film an entire segment. So I make phone calls, like calling all the guys that like help, help set up the tailgate. And I'm like, guys, uh, all hands on deck. Like, this is not just B-roll. Like, we're being filmed and we're going to be on, like, Pac-12 Network. And so they uh, they frantically, like, got more food. Like, they set up all of that. Of course, our chef, Rico, did an amazing job with the setup and the spread. So Can verify. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You just <laughs> just wait until uh, you see what we do for the SC game, which won't be on Pac-12 Network, uh, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, if you're a part of us, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We can let you guys know where it is, and you guys can come hang out with us. But, yeah, so that happens. I go to see Ashley. She's uh, eating at Freehouse, uh, and... And she didn't tell me that there were other people there. And I just walk in with like a sweater and like a couple stickers. And she introduces me to Yogi Roth. She introduces me to Ryan Leaf. And this is a side anecdote. I froze up as soon as I saw Ryan Leaf like in person because uh, most of you guys know that I am an avid Chargers fan. Avid, avid, avid Chargers fan. Say what you want about Ryan Leaf's like career and how it panned out, and but like right now the dude is an awesome and super kind dude. Uh, but for me, growing up, he was the first quarterback I rooted for. Right, he was the first quarterback I watched play on the Chargers, and as a kid, like an elementary school kid, you're just like you just root for them, right? You don't know why they're bad or if they're bad. You're just like rooting for them. So in that in that moment, I like froze. I was like, oh my god, that's my childhood quarterback. Like, that's who I grew up rooting for. Um, and I kind of froze up. But then, like, actually, like, I had to talk to Ashley and do some other things. So we were, like, talking. We were talking about the game. And I gave her the sweater. We took a picture together. And we were like, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. And um, as I'm going home, like, I texted Ashley. I said, can you tell Ryan, like, I'm a lifelong Charger fan. Like, I froze up. Like, and I was like, at any point, if I ever see him again, I would love to get a picture with him. And Ashley goes, yeah, Ryan's like super down. You guys, you should just come down to the field uh, anytime during the game tomorrow and we'll, we'll snap a picture. We didn't have field passes that day, so I couldn't go down um, and see him. But we were, we were just like, yeah, we'll just, I, I was like, we'll just do it another day. But that was like a super cool moment for me just as a, as a fan. Um, now fast forward to Saturday, they come at 1130, they're filming for a 3 PM segment. So they were there for like an hour, just chatting with us, talking about the tailgate. We did the drinking song. If you haven't seen the segment, it's on the Pac-12 network, Twitter, uh, pay or Twitter handle. And also I think Avi has it like saved and I have it saved. So you can scroll to the timeline and you'll should, you should be able to find it, but it was absolutely cool. Um, and they were so kind. They had a bunch of our sandwiches and lumpia and all the other stuff that we had prepped to and, and ate with us and hung out. Um, and then they uh, they headed back. And I had no idea how much of the tape they were going to use, but it was actually a pretty long segment. And they used the entire song, the drinking song that we sing. And like they captured a bunch of the guys shotgunning beers, too. Uh, and they then they put it up on on the segment. So, I mean, the thing about that was. I never, and this is crazy to me, but I never knew that the cow drinking song 
started with the segment about the wick and the wick being damp and the shawl. Yeah, yeah. The steward went below. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what in the hell? And then it's, (laughs) it fast forwards to the, you know, oh, we (laughs) had a little party down in Newport. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I was stunned when that was happening because I just had never heard that version before, but it makes it even better early, honestly. Um, and then I, what I would say too is the, um, the pitch and the, the way that Rico and Brian and crew sang that song where it kind of has the higher pitch moments and lower pitch and they're going into those perfectly executed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a, if you had gone to our fraternity when I was in, in it, you know, ATO at the, at you would hear just a bunch of mumbling and then <laughs> a few people that would know it. Right. It was yeah, just yeah, more yeah. about like, but these, this was like perfection mm-hmm. from delivery mm-hmm. of the cow drinking song, which I think should be something that the library should put in the archives. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in Bancroft, man. I'm sure there are better acapella groups on campus that can sing that song better than any of us. Yeah, but you can't get a more organic representation. You can't because that's years of a single group singing that song, right? Right. And I mean, the the one thing I I also need to note is um, Danny, who is the segment host, he, uh, he introduced me as the founder of the tailgate. I am indeed not the founder of that tailgate. Uh, that tailgate was going way before I even started writing for the site and even started going out to those tailgates. Terrence is one of like the oldest tenured guys like I know in the community. Um, I didn't mean to age you, Terrence, if you're listening to this. That wasn't my intention. Because uh, he's Terrence, you're not old. <laughs> Does that make it worse? I feel like I just made it worse. Yep. Anyways, Digging your own Terrence, grave. Terrence, uh, Terrence said even it was even before like he started coming out to tailgates, which I think he said was like 2013 ish. So this tailgate has been going on for quite some time. It's just that it's changed uh, from a group of friends to a Cal Band alumni to now like Twitter friends slash right for California slash CGB. Um, and it's taken multiple iterations and they just happen to come film at this current iteration. So. I don't want to take credit that I was the founder. I, I just wanted to clear the air on that because someone tweeted at me about that today. And I was like, I am definitely not. And I, if I had heard it in the middle of that interview, I probably would have corrected it. But you you have to at least give me some leeway that in the spur of the moment, that was the least of my worries, like hearing like every single word coming out of like an interview. Like it was just Un- TV cameras on you. It's like you're like it's it's it, your mind is elsewhere. I mean, I think we all know you, Rob, as someone who is uh, not humble and likes to take credit for other people's work. <laughs> That's definitely the reputation that you have. So, you know, it, it makes perfect sense to me that you took that one in stride and moved on with it. Perfectly. Perfectly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Uh, but yeah, it was, other than that, it was awesome. They gave me like a little care package. I got like a bag and I got a little mini football that had packed on work and sunglasses. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was, that was the start to the day. Like we had, they left around like 12, 15 and I, I just like hugged Rico and I was just like, the day's not even 
begun. <laughs> like it's a 4 p.m. kickoff. And I feel like we've been here for like six hours. And I, once again, credit to Rico for prepping all the food, getting ready by 11 when I that's because that's when I asked him to be ready by because they were going to come by at 1230 and they had him and Brian. They had everything ready to go by the time those guys arrived. Granted, we had a little bit more cooking to do, but they took like, you know, B-roll of like us cooking and, and so on. But man, the work that they did uh, was spectacular. And then the show out of people just coming by, you know, a lot, a lot of them showed up like afterwards, which makes sense. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff. No reason for most of you guys to be here by 12. But like Andy, when you arrived, like our tailgate was like it was popping. There were a lot of people. A lot of people hanging out. And it it's just, always popping. Yeah. I I agree. And I'm excited for USC. Mm-hmm. 12.30 kickoff. Mm-hmm. So you guys like to start early, which is not my thing. Well, we got so, hey, but, we'll but, but you're going to have to come early to this one because it's the last home one. <laughs> Me and Rico are cooking. Yep. Right? It's the bulgogi tortas. Nam's in town. Like... It's it's gonna and we're in the stance like you and I are gonna be in the stance for this one so it's dude I gotta buy tickets <laughs> it's gonna be late I, they didn't give me my alumni get a free oh, ticket football, to every game the football they didn't do no. that for you this year Mm-mm. oh that's nope. upsetting I don't know what happens there like, maybe it's because it's been ten years they're like ah screw this guy either that or they found they found you out <laughs> yeah and they're like he yeah <laughs> yeah they actually like, play a sport here he doesn't donate to anything besides Cal Crew and he didn't even play Cal Crew. Yeah. Try to figure me out. Good luck. <laughs> um okay, so we now have part 1. We have part 2 and now let's go to part 3. So we walk up to the stadium. Go. Uh it it was just I don't know where I'm supposed to go with this. Can you direct me? <laughs> where am I supposed to go with this? What what was your game experience? Like what takeaways? What did you see? What did you expect? Were the highs, the lows, the mids? No one cares about the press box food. It's only you and I care about that. But we knew we had our special cookie in the building. White chocolate, macadamia, raspberry was yeah. in the building. They should only have that cookie for the rest of the season. It is a good luck cookie. All right. Go. Um, I'm not going to lie. I So, okay. Not only did we have all those things, but then we get the notification on Thursday that Tedford, Jeff Tedford, our, you, you, for you and me, like he's our head coach, right? He's, he's my like, boss, dude. He's, he's my boss. old boss. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Was, Tedford. Mr. Tedford was going to be <laughs> in the building and honored in the first quarter and uh, against Oregon State of all teams on Halloween. What? This was this was ripe. This was ripe for another Cal curse, right? It was ripe for it. We were asking, we were toying with the football gods, asking them to strike down all of the hope and everything. It's like it's like if uh if Star Wars had taken a dark turn, right? Princess Leia comes up to R2D2, records that message. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And then Darth Vader comes from behind her and stabs her. <laughs> Like it just and then it's just over. It's just over, right? Like that message never gets sent. But 
that that's the moment it felt like we were we that message was created at that Colorado game and then everything else that led up to it was telling us we we had run out of our good luck we had the pack tone of our filming our tailgate we had home field um, drop the cal apparel we had tedford coming into the stands and it was against oregon state and it was a pack 12 after dark game it was we were toying with fate we were toying with fate and i did not feel good i was like am i allowed to feel good am i can i have a little bit of hope because i don't want to come crashing down again especially not against oregon state um and that was my feeling like leading into the game as we sat down and I opened up my computer, I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. My gut feeling is not good right now. I like, I, I, I need to go puke. Uh, but what about you? Like, what was it just like leading up to like kickoff? Uh, I thought that, so I think the big thing that was not included in your, in, in your events was just that like Aaron Rodgers kind of tweeted right, right before and was like, the fact that you guys are throwing together just some like mid between quarter celebration for the most legendary coach that, you know, in modern Cal history is garbage. And everyone was like, yep, good job, Aaron. That was actually that's spot on. Um, and so to follow up on that, Donovan Frazier actually said that the invite had gone out to former players about a month mm-hmm. ago, letting people know why they had chosen to do it that like communicated out broadly so late and haphazardly. Um, I tweeted out on the right for Cal live account that in my experience with Tedford, he's a really humble guy could be something that he wanted and didn't want to make a big deal of it. Um, it was also amazing just to go a little bit into the ceremony or, you know, really what it was, was just kind of like hanging out with a bunch of people on field, two really cool moments. Uh, one Tedford holding up the Axe ALS, mm-hmm. Eric Stevens sign, and just shows you who Tedford is. And in a moment that's dedicated to him, he shines shines it to somebody else that needs it and for a great cause. And then afterwards, everyone that was on the field with him, he brought in for a huddle. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ended, uh, which was just perfect. Yeah, I heard... Uh... I know Shane Vereen was one of the members that was on the field with them. I believe Joe Ayub also was one of the ones that was with them. Um, I think you saw a couple, right? Did you notice? I thought I saw Tyndall down there, but I couldn't. I couldn't definitively say. Yeah, I mean, we're way far um, away. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a yeah. tough view. I know uh, Kevin Parker. You know the f- infamous yeah KP hold the rope yep. uh, coach was was there. And uh, he actually played under Tedford yep. when Tedford was at Oregon, um, going way back when. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just great, great to see it. I know his family was there. I'm sure Quinn, I, Quinn would, I would bet was on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of the guys that you know were on the team when I was with the team, and um, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was, you know, as I said, I one, like they're going to build a statue of Tedford or they're going to have something that's going to be more immortalized. It's just going to come. It's going to happen. Like Tedford kind of stepped out of his career not that long ago, right? It yeah. wasn't that long ago that he was forced to retire. Um, so this is kind of the first time coming back. I sort of felt like it was just his, his homecoming. Um, you know, welcome back for the first time. You know, Jeff mm-hmm. Tedford type deal. It wasn't really like... Like, hey, or we want to acknowledge everything that you did. Like you notice in the readout, they didn't talk about the number of wins that he had. They didn't talk about yeah. the biggest wins they had, the number of axe wins. Like it wasn't one of those ceremonies right. where it's not like a Hall of Fame induction or anything like that. So it made me feel like there's still something that could be upcoming. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that. He's going into the Cal Hall of Fame. Like, I, I think that's a that's a guarantee. Right. I absolutely think so. So that's when we'll probably get that. So to, to back that point up, there were so many different versions of what, how, what went down regarding the whole Tedford thing uh, and the, the showcasing of it. I'm not going to get into all the details, but one of the versions of I heard was that he didn't want to make a big deal out of it, that he didn't want to be honored in this grandiose way. He wanted to be, to be kept quiet for as long as they possibly could hold off and to <laughs> to make the announcement and then him be on the field. Yeah, like, I just, just imagine just like Denver being like, damn it, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that version. I, I like optim- I like positive things. So I mean that is in line with the person that I knew him to be. Don't get me wrong, Tedford was not a happy go lucky, easy boss. Like he wanted his clock with zero mistakes. If you fucked up his clock, holy shit, you were in so much trouble. And the clock had to be out early and it took it forever. And you, dude, that thing was so damn heavy every damn practice. And, you know, and my boss was very tough. Like, and, uh, and he, he would yell at me about a bunch of, it was one of those jobs where you never got, there was no such thing as, is a compliment. It was just, you did your job or you didn't. And if you didn't do it, you're going to get chewed out. If you did it, then that's good. You did what you were expected to do, right? That's not exactly the modern workplace that we have nowadays. <laughs> so it, it's not like I have this rosy, glorious view of it, but I just knew that like Tedford was always the, like he would stay up, like working his, like, he's hardworking. He slept had in that his ment- office. He had a slept bed in, in his, his office, office from time to time, like would run around the field. And then when he come into business, it's business time. Like it's not fucking around. And I, uh, but, but he never really made any moments about him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like he became a personality or a person that was the face of the program. I felt that like, even at its peak, 
really the players shined more so than him as an actual coach. And I think that's the beauty of him versus like Clemson. We probably will remember Dabo more so than even some of the better players that can come through. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure there's how many people like right now you're probably remembering because he's playing all right on the Raiders. But like, did you guys really remember Hunter Renfro until I just brought it up? Like there's players go through, but like for us, it's different, right? Like if I said Lavelle Hawkins, everyone would be like, oh yeah, I know. Like, of course I know Lavelle Hawkins. Like there's play, random players like Bo Tang. You're like, oh, I know Nyan Bo Tang. Like he wasn't even good. Like <laughs> there's, and so he, I think that that's a balance and it reflects on the character of the university um, really well. So I do want to stop there because at this point I'm 95% positive that Go Bears 49 is like, why aren't you talking about the football game? <laughs> <laughs> so in the spirit of making GB 49 happy, Let's talk about this football game. All right. Because I it flows through. It does. And the theme was and I'm gonna this is the theme. What or is it what? Or should I say, how about the theme is that play is gonna come back to bite us? That's the theme in quotes. That play is gonna come back to bite us. And that's how what I feel like you set up so well was that was the mentality that everybody had. It's exactly what you said. It was like spooky weekend, Tedford's back, Oregon State's in town. They're finally playing up to their full potential and looking like a favorite in the Pac-12 outside of Oregon. And then you have all of these other things that are happening. You're like, okay, what is going to go horrifically wrong? And then this game goes to that script. Hunter drops a touchdown. Kakoa drops a ball like that he should have caught. Uh, you know, we do random things like we just played turtle mode with 55 seconds left in three timeouts. And every, I swear, every single one of those times, you could find a tweet, you could find a person, or both that were saying sarcastically, well, that play is not going to come back to bite us. And so with that stage set for you, Rob, <laughs> let's talk about the game. All right. Let me run you through some of like the basic stuff, all right? So Cal hosts Oregon State. Oregon State 5-2, and two, Cal 2-5. Two and five. Cal, of course, beats Oregon State 39-25. to 25. Cal offensively exploding, defensively locking down Oregon State outside of one touchdown, which I still, to this day, am not going to forgive that ref for not calling an offensive PI. I think most Cal fans will. Uh, but Chase Garbers, stunning, right? 17 of 26, no interceptions, 262 yards, three touchdowns, and a long of 41. Also on the ground, 10 rushes for 58 yards and a touchdown. Your boy, Damian Moore, 11 carries, 111 yards, one touchdown, averaging 10.1 yards per carry. Christopher Brooks, also 20 carries for 83 yards, an average of 4.2. Doesn't get that touchdown, though. Um, receiving, everyone everyone got a touch. Trayvon Clark, seven targets, five receptions, 90 yards and a touchdown. Jeremiah Hunter, three targets, two, two, uh, two receptions, 57 yards. Didn't get the touchdown, though. Could have had it. Had it. Could have had it. In his hands. Could have had Bounds it. Bounced off his bicep. It was there. It was there. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely there. 
Christopher Brooks, two receptions. Kiko Crawford, two receptions. Nico Remigio, two receptions. Monroe Young, wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. Chris Brooks had two touchdowns. On two catches. I know. On, I just want, you said, oh, okay. you sorry, said sorry, no sorry, touchdowns for Chris Brooks. Yeah. So I was like, well, you better say it on the receiving well, yeah. end. Otherwise, he's, he's going to be upset with you. Chris Brooks, two targets, two touchdowns on two catches. Uh, Dario Longhetto, one of two, missed the long of 48, uh, but eh, it's okay because it didn't really hurt us in the long term. Uh, two interceptions by the Bears defense, Nate Ruchena, uh with one and Elijah Hicks with the other. Defensively, it was it was all hands on deck. We had one sack by Trey Pastor, who also had a tackle for loss. The interceptions came, but the man of the hour that we all talked about as soon as the game ended Isaiah Young filling in for an injured Colin Gamble who was knocked out in the first quarter. Four pass breakups. I believe one completion on five targets thrown at him. And the one completion was that touchdown run by Bradford. Um, Was it Bradford? I can't remember who the touchdown catch was, but it was the offensive. We think it's the offensive pick play. And that's the one that knocked him out. But it was that intent. He was the intended uh, corner. So no, 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 no. Did I get that wrong? No, no, no. I'm pretty sure I got no. that right. Did I get that wrong? If you're talking about... No, because Isaiah Isaiah Young, what happened on his touchdown was the safety was late getting over. So if you're talking about the one where the tight end ran into all, our defender and yeah. completely took him out of the play, yeah. that was different. So the one that... I, I mean, I'm pretty... Unless I saw it wrong... The only way I say I'm wrong on this is if I saw it wrong in the booth and it actually wasn't Young on that play, but it was the, the long... The first... Was it the first? Um, yeah, it was the first touchdown that Oregon State scored to get to 10 was in the right end zone. And Young was a little like the receiver got a step or two on him and then the safety was late with the help. And so I think like people said that I believe that the sa- it was on, more so on the safety than it was on the corner. Uh, I'm looking here. <laughs> I'm trying to look at the drive charts, but I, I can't seem to. Okay. I can't see if I. While you okay. do that, I also want to talk about Dario Longhetto because you didn't say the theme when you had a perfect chance. He missed the field goal. And what was going through everybody's mind? Well, that's not going to come back to bite us. 100%. That was there. And no, and you know why? Why? Because Nico had the that end zone play, which was like the Willie Mays catch, except... He like turned his body better. And I think if you ask Nico about it, he probably would say like, that's a catch that he has to make. I'm pretty sure he would say the same. Yeah. It was hard, but it was there. Ball was thrown well, you know, catchable ball. And we thought we were going to get the, you know, obviously the touchdown and we end up taking the field goal. We missed the field goal and the whole collective stadium is, you know, now nervous. And, um, I believe that was, was that when we had a six-point lead because they had scored the well, they scored the two-point two conversion, point. yeah. So, so I think you and I collectively can say, I think the game flow of the game. We're like, uh, Nick actually said it best. Not Nick, uh, the columnist, but our other friend Nick. Um, he was like, I, the entire game when I was watching at home, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right, it felt like that. It it, it for me, it kind of did. I don't know about other people, but like. We go up, we go up ten to zero. Then they hit the field goal, and then it's and then we go score the touchdown again. It's seventeen three. Then they score the touchdown to end the half, and it's seventeen ten. And I'm like, oh my god, like can we just get to that? Can we just get to that third 
like three that three score game right two just seems too close for me can we just get to that number three then we come out in the third quarter and we score right away 24 10 then they score another touchdown it's 24 17 then we score another touchdown it's 31 17 and i'm feeling good about myself right there and it's third and long and we get the tight end that pick play two guys get knocked out Elijah Hicks can't roll over fast enough because, of course, he doesn't expect two of his guys in front of him to get knocked out by a single player. And Bradford goes for 46 yards on the touchdown pass. And they go for two, they convert, and the score is six points. 11-23 left in the fourth quarter, and you're like, oh my God, this is it, isn't it? This is this is the curse of a Cal fan against Oregon State when we just need to beat them. Like, it's a must-win game against Oregon State with higher stakes, and it's just, it's that again. We are cursed. <laughs> we are absolutely cursed. But no, we come back off the, off the block. Uh, we get the stop. We block the punt. And then it's the touchdown pass. On, on first down. Wait, am I getting that right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's it, man. Yeah. I remember I was gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were in the bathroom. Uh, I, just, I just remember walking in the press box and I'm, I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing it on the, the press box PA, you know, it was block punt Cal, right? Cal recovers at the, I'm going to say 39 mm-hmm. and then the next play it in the, PA press PA doesn't say anything and just goes touchdown cow. <laughs> and then it goes Garber's pass to Trevin Clark. Yep. No emotion, yep. nothing, which is what the press box PA is supposed to be doing. Yeah. But it was so impressive. Yeah. It was unbelievably yep. impressive. There was so much that I talked to a guy and I was like, Wow. There was no emotion in that. And the guy was, I think, in the Oregon State Athletic Director's Box or something. I mean, he's decked out in Oregon State gear. And he's like, yeah, there was no emotion in that whatsoever. I was like, honestly, I'm just impressed. Yep. (laughs) To see that type of play and just be like, touchdown, California. Yep. 39-yard pass. (laughs) Drivers to Trevin Clark. Yep. (laughs) It's just so good. And that was to end the third quarter. I mean, yeah, and then we go on, and then we let, we got to talk about that last play, of the, last play of the game, though, right? That last touchdown we got to answer from six points. Because as soon as they got within six, I was like, yeah, this, oh, God. Like, this is, it's, this is what's happening, isn't it? But then we drive, and it's, it's the scramble play again. It's the Garbers, you, the one that you thought was Garbers rolling out to the wrong side, right? And... He dips the shoulder, gets yeah. past, gets past Omar Spates, and then just dinks one to his left into uh, Christopher Brooks, who's in the end zone. A little worry because it was a little low, but Chris, uh, Christopher Brooks gets low enough and gets it. No one is guarding him, like no one had picked him up. He was wide open, and all and you and I just like kind of shrieked. We're like, "Oh my god, how did he score?" And then we go back up. We go back up by two scores, 39-25. And I was like, oh, my God, there, there's the game. Uh, 
And I was like, there's nothing they could do to probably win this. There's only five minutes left. I like they, it. It would have to be like something, something amazing. And at that point, I was like coming to the realization, like our win percentage was probably at like 95 percent. Right. They had to do something spectacular to be able to come back and win that game. And then we and then not only that, we hit the two point conversion to put it back up 14. Which was even more yeah. impressive because we actually failed our two point conversion, but then they had a penalty. It gave us yeah. another shot at it. And instead of passing the ball, we ran Christopher Brooks to the outside. The edge was set, and he had an open lane straight into the end zone. And that was that. And we won. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm out of words because, so I was talking to you about this in the game, right? I was like, the sun is supposed to set at 617, right? And we, the game kicked off at 4. I was like, midway through the third, we're going to start to get Pac-12 after dark shenanigans. Which is exactly what happened. But the shenanigans only went far enough to make it slightly interesting, but still kept the game out of reach for Oregon State. And we got the win on. My God. My God. <laughs> I think the, uh, the, the funny thing about looking at this the scoring summary is the actual score makes it seem closer than it really was. Cause I think if you add in, you know, the Damian Moore touchdown, that probably was pulled back. touchdown that's pulled back and we decide to, you know, go for the score instead of running out the clock, you're looking at a game where it's, you know, 45 ish or whatever, um, uh, 45, 46 to 25. And you're like, okay, stomped. Yeah. But like, when you look at it, you're like, okay, wow, like, oh, that must have been a nail biter, right? Once they're within six, and there's eleven twenty three in the fourth, um, and very much uh, it was. I might have said it was uh, wrong earlier when it was talking about like the the big play that happened on. No, special I think teams, you and I were both wrong. Kick. That happened in the third quarter. That yeah, was the first play off the miss kick, but yeah, that was to put put it up fourteen again. Yeah, um, and yeah, but it was just a, a game where. You know, one of the themes that has been pretty consistent with the San Francisco Giants this year, which I think is a relevant example just because of how much they won and they were really able to establish a winning culture is basically if you get punched in the mouth or you just got to answer. And it felt like Cal was the first, the one that threw the first punch. And with the play that Bimage made and the first mm-hmm. play from scrimmage, I mean, those was ridiculous. Ripped the ball out. I, I, once again, am walking in the hallway of the press box and I hear a guy talking to the AD who looked like he was trying to impress the AD and he was like the Oregon State AD. And he goes, yeah, you know, um, I, I got a couple of texts from a few folks that said that it for sure wasn't a fumble, but because it was called on the field, you know, that's what it was. Or there wasn't a good enough angle to overturn it. And I was just like, oh, that's hilarious because, you know, it's a perspective I don't have because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. That was 100% a fumble. But, you know, I kind of laugh at them because whatever, you're losing and I'm stoked. But <laughs> um, I think so. All right. So Cal comes out with the first punch. Bimage makes that huge play. We go back down like Hunter drops the, mm-hmm. you know, it was should have been 14-0. Like Chase hit Hunter with a perfect ball right here and hunter you know probably i can't say what happened but hey like he's the young player um probably like notes future conversation between you and us like how do you react when one of your favorite players makes a really bad play Mm. i was very conflicted at that time but um 
you know, okay, so like then you're up 10-0. Okay, then Oregon State is going to come back. And, but then it's like, no, Cal came right back, put him up 17-3. And you're like, okay, like this is Colorado. Like we're going to go in cruise control here, except, you know, you knew that Oregon State had just scored at will against Utah and like had played a similar game and then just rattled off score after score after score. So there was never felt out of, they never felt out of it, mm-hmm. but it was just sort of this boxing match that went back and forth and back and forth. And Cal always answered. We're so used to Cal not answering in those situations. So it, and that's when I think like when Nick talks about it being like cathartic and then you and I, last week, we talked about Colorado being an exorcism for this season Right. Mm-hmm. I think we said that yep, we did. <laughs> All right. Good. Memory is still there. Yep. Even after outside lands. Okay. Continuing on. This game was almost an exorcism of five years of football because when playing competitive teams, we followed such a predictable game script. Mm-hmm. Um, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think I'm full stopping right there. Like that, that boxing match, the back and forth, the tie back to the Giants, and the fact that every time, you know, it seemed like a team would put a run up on the board. Like, let's use the Dodgers Giants game, for example. Obviously, we didn't win that game. But what happens, right? Dodgers finally break through, they put a run up, and then immediately the Giants answer back with the Darren Ruff homer. And it was like that every single time. You'd get nervous as a fan. The other team scored a run. And for the vast majority of those situations, the Giants would come back and they would put runs up on the board. And it's exactly what Cal did in this game. It's like every time Oregon State had a positive play, we're like, great, we're going to meet you with another positive play of our own. Every single time they put points up on the board, like, great, we're going to go and put points back up on our board. Like, And I I bet if you ask Wilcox, like, is this the most complete game that he's ever coached? Like, don't ask him now or maybe on Tuesday he might take that question. Well, like, let's talk about like asking him that in December, you know, once the season's like kind of reflecting on that game. And I honestly wonder, like, it's probably in the top five, you know? Yeah. I think the bowl game against Illinois uh was up there. Like that was, you know, one of those games where we really just smacked an opponent. Um, but it's hard it's hard for me to find three others or four others that would really compete with this game on that level. Yeah. I, the only ones, other ones that come to mind is probably like the Washington state. Like again, once again in October, right? Friday, Friday the 13th. Um, and they, they come to town, the smoke bowl game. So yes. there's only, there's only a couple more, but like some of the, other, some of these other stats, right? Oregon state average coming into this game, 30.1 points per game. Right. We held them 25. That's, that's good. A good offense is going to score. They're going to find ways to score, right? What's the the basketball term for? Uh, what's it? Uh, great offense always beats a good defense, right? So that's what they say in basketball? Yeah. But in football, they say the opposite. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're just saying, like, you can you can put your hand up in a guy's face and be the, like, perfect, like, footwork, everything. But if a guy knocks down the shot, he knocks down the shot. 
And yeah. that's kind of what it is in college football too. You can't really you can't really clamp down on an opponent. They're gonna score. College football, there's always variance for scores to happen. It's just how can you limit the amount of scores that you give up to how explosive that team is, which is exactly what this team did against a very explosive Oregon State team, which is probably in the top 25 in terms of total offense in the entire country. So you do that, right? Then you ground and pound them to the point where they have no answer for your run game whatsoever. 13 of 19 third down conversions held onto the ball 33 minutes and 59 seconds of the total game. And you go three of four in the red zone. And that's that. Like, that's that's outstanding. And not only that, the big the like the big question or the big point that Wilcox always makes is like, what can you do off of turnovers? They scored seven points off of a turnover. And they kept the that kept in within reach. I think you said it perfectly. Every time the Cal team was asked a question, they had an answer. Whether it be yeah. offensively, whether it be defensively, heck, even this game, even special teams. You needed special teams to come through on one at least one play, whether it be uh, running back a touchdown on a punt or a kickoff, you know, giving the, giving yourself good field advantage. Uh, but they did that on the Nick Alton block punt play. And that's his second and- block punt of the season. <laughs> we forget that. <laughs> Yeah, the other one we the other one we won't talk about, of our memory. but but on the, in the stat book he does have two block punts on the season, which is incredible for a single player. The special teams, the the miss on or the big hit on I think the miss on our part and as a collective group is we probably don't remember what we did on kickoffs as as much as we remember the block punt. Mm-hmm. But what we were doing to essentially balance the speed that Oregon State had in returning the ball was we were doing these pooch punts and forcing Oregon State to take fair catches and take it from the 25. Mm -hmm. And it worked brilliantly. Brilliantly. So, uh, and and it completely removed that element. And you never want to have to do that because you don't trust your unit, but at the same time, it's actually, I thought in this scenario, more so just speaking to the speed and the dynamic athleticism that Oregon State had. The special teams played a really good game for for Cal special teams of late, but I really want to talk about the defense. All right. So I cheated. I know one of the questions and I'm going to answer it now. So Shavit asked this. And it was the second question, which was, do you think we'll ever see another Cal? Like, I'm paraphrasing. Do you think we'll ever see another great Cal defense a la I did see that question. Yep, yep. And I've said this last week, and I'm here again, obviously. This is, you'll find me here next week as well, (laughs) just in case you're curious where i go <laughs> well let me let me read the let me read the question in full so like everyone okay. gets it right so shavit his take is if there's a path to greater things than seven uh or no that's just that's a take uh we'll talk about his take later his question yeah yeah, no that's what i'm saying yeah the question was the yeah the part. question was the second part. all right well let me let, i'll read the question he says can we get back to the taker slash evan weaver era defensive performance yes so 
I think the answer for me, no, I think, sorry, remove that. Unequivocally, yes. Mm. This is the foundation towards getting there. The guys that we're seeing, it's like, I am thrilled because it's almost like where I was at last week and what we were talking about and rotating the young guys on defense, the it sort of like was in all of the pieces this week that came out. Like it was in the novel. It was in Nick's postgame thoughts. Like the level at which we are rotating on the defensive side of the football and the significance of the injuries on the side of that football is the next man up mentality Mm -hmm. and the compete in every position and with every player mentality that Wilcox instills in his team. Mm -hmm. So if you're wondering what the identity is of a Wilcox team, this is it. We just don't see it on offense as much as we do on defense. And finally, we are seeing it and the benefits of that. Therefore, if this continues and you're watching, what do we track at the Bearcats? We track progression, game-to-game progression. What we are seeing now is two really specifically, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to Oregon. We, dude, we held Oregon to a very manageable amount of points as well. The defense has been playing, and even Washington State, sorry, I keep going back. We like the defense has been playing well for longer than we'd like to remember, and they have progressed every single game. And now what are we seeing? We're not just seeing better tackling, but we're actually seeing turnovers being caused. And that was a huge aspect of this game. Elijah Hicks is playing out of his damn mind. Holy shit. That dude is playing unbelievably good football right now. And then on top of that, you have other guys, like you mentioned, Nate Ruchana. But we didn't even talk about Femi. Femi was unbelievable. He led the team in tackles. This dude is a true freshman. And that is where you start to see the makings of the next of that defense coming back is these young guys, Colin Gamble, Lou Hearns, Femi, uh, Ruchana's young. Like I'm trying to think of some D line guys, but like Ethan I is going to be back. Ethan Saunders, like you're going, you have such a solid foundation of players and, you know, pastor is going to return. Like you're good. And then, you know, if coin is going to, decide to stay and get a medical waiver for this year. Cause I'm hundred percent assuming he's out for the season. You know, you are then going to have a plethora of talent. And that is like, we love the takers. We love to highlight, you know, the few guys that were really good, but it was really like the guys on the, what I would call like, not the outside, but they just weren't like, like it was the Trey Becks that made that team what it was. And it's like those guys that are, secretly really freaking good, but don't get as much of the fanfare. Obviously, he was the best nickel in the country. We all know that. Uh, but that support and allow somebody like Evan Weaver to do what they do. Those players are super important because an Aaron Darnold can't be the best D lineman in the country if you're secondary Swiss cheese. Why do we think Bosa's been good, but Bosa hasn't been great for the Niners? Because the Niners' secondary sucks. Josh Norman is terrible. Right? So it's those other guys that are supporting, that are actually allowing those players to become them the exceptional player that they are. And that's what I think the making of those defenses had. And it comes from depth. And so all of this, once again, that I've been ranting about is that we finally have the foundation of depth 
to be really good regardless of injury. We can take a hit to our best player, Brett Johnson. We can take a hit to our second best player in coin dang. We can take a hit to our starting cornerback in the first quarter against the best passing attack in the Pac-12 North. And we can handle that and put in Isaiah Young and have him play an excellent game. And Lou Hearns holds it down on the other side. We didn't even hear his name called. Dude's incredible. He's a true freshman. So for me, when you're looking at that defense next year, this is what I buy into. This is where everyone's like, what What future do you buy into? What about the recruiting class? I don't care about the recruiting class. We have the players right now to be really freaking good next year. So the recruiting class of next year is important, but it doesn't matter to me right now because all I want to see is this team next year. Now, now I'm going to watch the rest of the season. I hope that we get to seven and five. If we get to six and six, that would be great. If it doesn't go that direction, we get to five and seven. Like, whatever. The season is what it is. We should have beaten TCU. Nevada is actually pretty good, and we lost a shit ton of toss-ups. Like this, that's kind of like what I would chalk the season up to. But as you look forward, if you want to get into the optimism that sits in my head, this is what I would invest in. And um, you know, time to go to Vegas. <laughs> All right. Uh, Defense, baby. Usually, that is my take. Usually, I play devil's advocate. But um, I actually did some research. Uh, I took some time to do some research after I saw that tweet. And I'm going to... Uh, we have some more pointers to talk about, especially about the defense. I think the offense, we've kind of mostly talked about. Maybe there's a couple no, more points we can we gotta talk go, about. We got to go back to the offense. Right, we we'll, we got to have a full chase love all section. All right, all right. Let me talk about the defense for a little bit. All right. Let me talk about uh, the whole takers going back to takers. So... What would you say was the better defensive year? Was it 2018 or was it 2019? Most, most people would say 2018. All right. Statistically speaking, currently where the Bears stand right now, right? Um, they're a little bit ways off from 2018, like meeting that standard. All right. And let me let me talk to you why. The pat the passing defense for that team. Averaged about a touchdown per game. Rushing defense, they averaged about a touchdown per game. Total offense, they averaged about... They gave up about 317 yards um, with, a, with about a 4.6 yards uh, average yards per play average. Okay? That's what that defense gave up. You look at the, 20, the current 2021 team, they give up about 1.9 touchdowns in the pass game, 1.1 touchdowns in the rush game, Total offensive yards, about 370 and about 5.6 yards per play. That's where we stand right now. So a little bit ways off from 2018. But you also have to understand we're missing our best. We're probably missing our best player on defense in Brett Johnson. We've had a bunch of guys hopping in and out of injuries. We were actually the least plagued injury-wise in 2018 on the defensive side. So all things considered, there's not that much of a gap. But... You flip over to 2019, and the numbers are eerily similar. The numbers start to get very similar. And what happened in 2019? We had injuries. We had Ashton Davis out for a little bit. We had Jalen Hawkins out for a little bit. We had Cam Bynum out for a little bit. We had guys miss time. And the numbers actually match up to that season and 2021. It's not exactly the same, but it's quite, quite similar. 
So what does that mean? It means that this defense, as you said, is a lot better than we give it credit for. At least statistically, right? It might not have produced the wins that we might have wanted, but that's kind of where it's it's trending. It's trending up. Guys are getting more experience. Like, let's let's take the Isaiah Young thing for example, right? He wasn't on the depth chart for weeks, <laughs> for weeks, and then on Tuesday when the depth chart for the Oregon State game was released, the dude jumps up to the third cornerback on the on the list. And I'm like, what? Like, why? Okay, did Brandon Smith get injured? Like, what's happening? Uh, And then, in the game, Colin Gamble goes out, and they're forced to play Isaiah Young, who was number three on the depth chart. And what does he do? He plays probably the best corner play that we've seen since probably Cam Bynum. And what school did Isaiah Young go to? The exact same school that Cam Bynum went to. So... There's there's just a lot of similarities there. Like, we have to give these young guys time. And we're starting to see that progress. The added part to that, that I'll say. Andy, what's the question that... What's the one coaching guy that's left over, like, the last year that people have always been asking about of, like, why did we let him go? <laughs> no, no way. Are we back here again? Yeah. Who is it? Let me guess. He's on the Dolphins. No, no, not that one. Name. Not that one. Oh. The other one. The other one that people think was oh. the mastermind of this defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Tim DeRoyter. Tim DeRoyter. Exactly where my head went when you brought up 2019. Tim DeRoyter. Actually, exactly where my head went. All right. You want to know an interesting fact right now? Where yes. do you think the Bears rank in points per game allowed on defense? In the Pac-12. Oh, we're the right mm-hmm. now. Right now, after the Oregon State game, after Week Nine. I'm guessing we give up something in the 20s, like mid 20s, and then I guess in the Pac-12, where do we rank defensively? Maybe third. Uh, you're close. We're a fourth. We give up 23.8 points per game. Okay. Now, where do you think Oregon stands? Well, given that they just got blown up by Colorado, <laughs> I know it was late game, but like, come on. Um, I and sixth, they're third. They give up 23.3 points per game. Damn it. But they also have cave on Timido. Exactly. <laughs> the human cheat code. Exactly my point. But, but just looking at like where the team is and statistically, like, how much do you think the 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 Beavers get, or not the Beavers, the Ducks give up in the air every game? Yards. Three hundred and ninety yards per game. Two hundred sixty-one. All right. Damn, they're good. Where do you think the Bears That's rank? That's good. Oh wow! I oh my bad. Um. Okay. So I. <laughs> now I'm really doubting myself. I think I went to the overall defensive total and I was like, okay, so all right, let's go right. overall. Let's go overall yardage. You think Oregon's at three three ninety? Oregon's three ninety. Okay, yeah. you're right. Where do you think Cal is? What I nailed it. Yeah, 
Damn. 392. 392.8. I know what Cal is. 370. 365.9. Yeah, you, you said yeah, that one. They've actually lowered. Okay. So if you look at just the general stats, this is not advanced stats, right? Like Oregon, and I'm just going to go over this because we don't have time to like just do more quizzes, but Oregon has 11 interceptions. Cal has eight. Oregon has five fumble recoveries. Cal has four. Oregon has 17 sacks. Cal has 17 sacks. Like, from the progression of the season, this whole thing about, like, we missed DeRoyter because of, like, what he did of the prepping and the planning and how this defense plays actually doesn't hold up so well because Cal's defense is actually pretty much on pace with Oregon, despite Oregon having the best player in the conference. Yep. That's where we stand. Now, Now, the good pivot here is I don't want to point fingers, but what we have to say is the offense hasn't performed up to par early on in the season to give this defense the spotlight that it needs to say we were winning games. But you look at this game, this Oregon State game, and now it's time to show. What happened? So talk to me. We're talking about Chase, right? We're talking about Oregon State. So I think we need to have this entire segment dedicated to Chase because uh, was was this the best Chase Garbers game we've ever seen? Probably. And he is just on such an awesome trajectory right now. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And so I want what I wanted to shout out is this offense. The, the thing that gets me excited about this offense is Chase providing the blueprint for players like Kai to come in and be dual threat. And to come in and be like, look, you're going to have to wonder, are we going to run a, you know, are we going to run a quarterback designed run? Are we going to bootleg our quarterback outside pocket? Are we going to have our quarterback sit under center, like sit in the pocket and stand in and make a really good deep throw? I mean, dude. That defense, like I know Oregon State's defense is win- gettable, winnable, right? We knew that going in, but even still, like they had to have been guessing. So often it's like, are we? Get, are you? They're running it down our throat. What do we do? All right, we stop the run. Okay. Uh. Well, what happens when the quarterback leaks out? All right. Well, we'll watch the quarterback. Okay, but what happens if the quarterback, uh, you know, hits the receiver that's sitting down in the zone or decides to <laughs> send the running back out on a wheel route? What do we do with the running back? It's just like you can. S- you could just see the confusion that it makes because there's so many angles in which you can be gotten. And that, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like the schematics are great. It takes individuals to execute and Chase has been executing as probably as perfectly as he ever has. The, uh, the fact that, I mean, he doesn't, he didn't even have a ball that was remotely close to being picked off yesterday. Yeah. Like the guy has been so secure with the football. His decision making has been pretty damn good. Like there was maybe one throw and it felt like could have been better. And, and it was in the first quarter. And literally besides that, zero. And I don't know. He, he's just been the epitome of great for us over these last two weeks. And the best possible outcome of this would just be carrying that momentum through and beating Stanford again, along with, along with SC and Arizona. And, and UCLA. 
I mean, so here's the thing, right? And and I don't know if I believe this, but it is it is something that I've been thinking about over like the last you know day or two that I've been rewatching some Cal highlights and and games and I rewatched a bit of the Oregon State rewatched a bit of the Oregon State. You know that the one the one that always like gets us and kind of like just annoys us when Chase throws like a four yard flat into the dirt. Right, he just it, it's the one that frustrates us the most. That is the one. Let me pose a hypothetical to you. What if that's what he's being told to do? Right? Like if he sees a guy, if, if you're if you see your safety valve guy and you know not you know that he's not going to get past the line of scrimmage, what what if the play, what if he's being taught to throw it into the dirt, like into his feet? I don't know, because you uh you it would be a stretch, I think, to say that for it would be a stretch to say that when we were talking about it in the Nevada game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. For me, it's a stretch. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that I believe it, but I'm just looking at how he's done that and how consistent that is. Like the only other option is either he's really bad at that throw, or the other option is is that's what he's being taught to do. Right. There's no in between there because otherwise he would have started to make those throws like as he's got as he's done them more. But it's just one of those throws that he's consistently thrown into the dirt. So that's why I, I just posed the question. Um, maybe that's like a habitual thing that they're teaching him to do to kind of cheat the whole uh, intentional grounding rule. Could be. But man, I mean. We have to talk about the two like points that everyone is like triggered about, right? Is the end of the first half, and I I tweeted that out about how if you win the game, how you ended the first half won't matter. But if you happen to lose the game, that's the one that everyone's going to be talking about. Like that's the thing. Fifty five seconds left, you get the ball back. You have all three of your timeouts, and you only use one, and you take it. You take one deep shot um, that actually nets you quite a bunch but you don't actually do anything with it because you ran out of clock time so i mean he said it was his decision to like that's what they wanted to do in the post game conference right but what were your what were your uh thoughts like looking back at it number one for those that think that wilcox doesn't know the offensive side of the football he came out and said that that was his decision so uh you know, he's probably more involved than you think. I thought it was very conservative. <laughs> so uh, 55 seconds, three timeouts. You have a unique opportunity to put the game, especially coming off of the touchdown that they had scored. I think you have a, an opportunity. You have an opportunity to put the lead at double digits. You're exactly right. If you if you lose the game, you're an idiot. If you win the game, no one remembers. I think you're an idiot for the right for the like people would assume would call you that for the right reasons. And and so I think that it to me, despite Wilcox what he was talking about, and you know, it, it certainly helped to understand his thinking behind it and where it came from. I just think that it's the wrong decision. You're gassing that team, your quarterback has looked incredibly in control. 
And maybe that those are, you know, that's just, well, a little bit of just Justin's past catching up with him. You know, there've been those plays in games like this where something like they are like, okay, let's go be aggressive. And what happens, you know, we turn the ball over and we give up points on the other end and it gets even worse. And so maybe, you know, I did what I did like about what Wilcox said was like, we saw some things that we were doing well. We saw some areas of opportunity. We wanted to get into halftime, talk about those so that we could continue to just get after it. And so, yeah, maybe it was like he just wanted to talk to his guys in a setting that wasn't in front of a bunch of people and uh, and just sort of reset everybody going into the second half because they truly felt like, you know, it was gettable and it was winnable and that they were going to execute. I just don't understand it for a second like the three timeouts and then you look at the way that it played out and jeremiah hunter makes you know ends up getting open on a really nice pump from chase and chase hits him in in stride and uh he's forced to turn up field because there's no time left on the clock when he could have gone out of bounds and we could add a field goal and in, in a game where as wilcox said you know he talks about how it's just a couple of plays that decide determine wins or losses so it's like all right, well, that was a play where you could have had points on the board and you took them off. So those are the plays that I think you have to get right, especially playing the narrow margin football that we've been playing. If we're going to be a team that's going to drop 45 points the rest of the season, then I don't really care if you go with your 55 seconds. You're scoring 45 points a game. (laughs) You've earned my respect on that. But when you don't do that, like we've done for the last four years, it's hard to have the faith that that's the right call in that right moment. What did you What did you think, Rob? Because we were in the press box, so we can't always talk about it up there. I don't. I never really got your take. I just tweeted out mine. I mean, I I think the the biggest thing for me is for me there's a disconnect with what Wilcox says versus how he sometimes coaches games, right? Because he always talks about how how difficult it is to win in college football, like how wins are hard to come by, like you have to fight for every win. But there are moments like that where if you're fighting to get a win, then it's a moment where you want to help your team try and win. And if you're not trying to score on offense to increase the margin of victory and give yourself more leeway on defense, then are you really trying to win? I think he is trying to win, but it's just it's just in those moments where it's like, you know this offense, you know that Oregon State offensive scores or can score. You you know your defense has had issues in the second half, and you know your offense has had issues in the second half. That's a lot of trust, like on your offense and defense, like you know, in a game, in a vacuum, to be like without looking at all the past, just looking at them going, You can do it. Like I know you guys can handle it. Um and it's a ballsy move. I mean, it's a ballsy move that p- paid off ultimately. You got the victory. Um, but not giving yourself more room for error. I think that's the disconnect for me when he says like, it's hard to win in college football because I, for me, those two things are connected. Like if you want to win, you have to give yourself a larger margin of error, but you can't keep shrinking that down. So yeah, that's where I stand. Well said. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree. It's like oddly contradictory. But I, I, I just wonder if there's demons that exist from, you know, certain games where, right, you know, it's just been that one turnover, that one play where if we just had that back. I mean, there's no way that TCU isn't haunting us right now where we're like, oh, if we've just done that one yeah. thing, 
you know, if we just hadn't had that one special teams mistake, if we hadn't, you know, had that one mistake, we would have won that game. So I bet that some of that is there, but winning erases a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Winning cures a lot of different ailments. So the more you win like this, I think the more aggressive you get. Mm-hmm. And that will go away with time. I think so. I think you're absolutely right. It's uh, But it's just one of those things that everyone's going to have an issue about. And like I think the other thing that we kind of... I think you and I are on the same page, but kind of in that same vein, is what happened at the end of the game. Right. You get the Damian Moore run. He gets called down, which we both think he got into the end zone. We don't think he both got down. But... Uh, you're at the one yard line. You can't kneel the game out. Uh, and instead of going for the other score, you kneel and then on fourth down, like have just chase trying to run out the clock, like run backwards and then just throw it up in the air and the ball still lands, you know, one second left and, you know, Oregon state takes the knee, but you know, people were upset about that. But I don't mind it because Jonathan Smith like just took it in stride as well, right? It's not like he tried to take another deep shot with one second left and try to get one more score on you. Like he understood like the game is over. I'm like gracefully like, you know, just kneeling it out and just running out the clock so that both of us can go home and uh like not trying to run up the score on you. But right, I mean a lot of people don't understand too, I think from an injury football that <laughs> injuries are a thing in football in mm-hmm. football are very common. Okay, if you score the touchdown there, yes, I would have wanted the touchdown. But, like, if you score the touchdown there and give the ball back to Oregon State, Oregon State is not going to kneel out Mm -hmm. the game for you. You are going to have to put your defense back onto the field. And is it worth – what if Isaiah Young got hurt? Would it be worth it for that to have six, seven meaningless points when you had already won the game? feel like – Sometimes we don't look at the the other sides like, yes, we want that as fans, but like, let's look at the opposite situation. You lose a starter that was playing, well, like even worse, what if Lou Hurst got hurt? Okay, so this is an, a guy that's been starting all year who got hurt for you guys to put up six or seven meaningless points at a point where you've already won the game. The risk is not worth the reward. Damian Moore gets in the end zone. Great. We feel great about it. You know, and we get the score. If not, hey, he iced the game anyways. It didn't matter. We won the game. And everybody that was in attendance knew that that score should have reflected more of a 21-point margin. But, hey, it didn't. And that's life. So, yeah, you're just that's sort of where I'm at. You're just patting it for the stat books. Like, the win's the win, right? That's what matters. Like, no one's going to go back at the and look at the 2021, like, season record and be like, ooh, that game, like, they're going to look at, let's say we end the season 75, right? They're going to be like, oh, yeah, that team went 75. They're not going to be like, oh, but that one win out of the seven (laughs) should have been a 21-point game and not a (laughs) 14-point game, you know? Um, Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That's a long conversation about this game, right? I think uh, I think we're pretty good to go. It is a victory, Andy. You know what that means. Wait, do we have questions? We don't. Uh, actually, 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 I think we do. I think we have one or two. Uh, but let me let me pull it up real quick. Uh, got one from we got one from Shavit, which we talked about. Uh. Or actually, should we talk about his take? Uh, as yeah. So his take was, if there's a path to greater things than six or seven wins with this staff, it will look like it would look like this: 
kind of run-first offensive performance, and for that, O-line recruiting and coaching will need an upgrade. What do you think about that take? So, I mean, the thing that I told Rob, one, I like to take. Two, I feel like Shavit's close to joining us in Team Optimism, so get ready. (laughs) Not that you're not already there. Uh, Third, walking with Rob post-game. What Do you remember what I told you? We talked about so much. We talked about the meaning of life. We talked about what fried chicken really tastes (laughs) like. You know, there's too many things we talked about. All right. So what I said was that the formula for success for this team is built behind the offensive line. So in total agreement Mm -hmm. there. And that perhaps I was wrong on the Angus McClure stuff because that unit looked pretty damn good the last two Mm -hmm. weeks. Yeah, it's only two weeks. You're playing Colorado, but then you're playing against obviously Oregon State is better. Um, so it's two weeks of data, but and we still have that Washington State game that I have. I promise you, I've not forgotten about that. But you know, I think what we were talking about was Cal needs to establish itself to be in the running for the players that Stanford gets. Mm-hmm. Stanford right. gets these guys that are five star O linemen. Like they need to be coming to Cal. Those are the wins that we need in the recruiting battle to set this program up where it's just like, we are O-line you. We bring him in. We have the, you know, the glory day, uh, uh, Alex Mack, who welcomes you on, you know, picture of him and welcomes you in. And then it's like, from here on out, we're building the legacy, right? And we're building a legacy of guys. I mean, I know we we, we still have guys that are doing well in the, off- in the NFL, but it's like, we're building the legacy of having a Wisconsin level O-line. Big dudes that like to eat at... <laughs> stand up front and open holes for your running back and are good in pass protection. That's it. And I think that's a very, that's the formula that I believe that they are trying to build. So I agree. I just don't know if McClure is or is not the right guy. I mean, because on the recruiting side, you'd make, you can make the case that that's where his prowess exists. And so if you start to see a product on the field that can be good, Mm -hmm. then I think I would take it and I would, Hope to see like what that future would look like. Um, so absolutely, I think that's exactly how this team becomes, you know, eight, nine win team yep. is by doing that. I think the staff knows that too. I think the big thing is, you know, we talked about the recruiting class from last year and we also talked about the recruiting class for this year. Like, where are the big like star mainstays from those two classes? They come on the defensive line, right? They know that these battles against especially Pac 12, like how Oregon recruits, how USC recruits like how Utah recruits. Like we have to be able to win those battles in the defensive line and the offensive line. I think the defensive line, we're starting to get there because guys want to play in this defense. We just got to start showing of an offense that guys start want to start to play in. And we're starting to showcase that a little bit, right? We actually have the film now to kind of be like, this is what you're going to be doing. This is the offense you're going to be trying protecting it and doing. And so, I mean, I, was it uh who was I talking to a few years ago where I was like asking, do you like it was an offensive lineman? It might have been Safel, where I was like, What do you enjoy like doing the most like on offense? And he's like, Cause, you know, he they were asking him to pull as a center and he'd never done that before. And I was like, Are you having a lot of fun with that? He's like, Yeah. Like run game, I pass game's fun, but he's like being a run blocker, like being able to go downhill on guys, like that's more that's a lot more fun. And I think most O linemen would probably agree. So if you see this type of team that like runs play action and runs and all that, I think, you know, you're going to it's going to be easier to sell guys. And we just need that to actually convert 
into actually pulling guys in and then being developed into guys that play on the O-line. Mm-hmm. Well said. All right, next one. We got one from Sid. Her take is, what a game. That was the most solid game I've seen all season. There was an energy shift from that Oregon game, and it has paid off. This is the team that I was excited about, and we finally got to see it. No question, surprisingly. It was so nice to meet y'all. Yes, I was going to say, this is my victory cannon. It was lovely to meet Sid. Sid came by the tailgate, so if anyone else wants to come by, you're all mm-hmm. welcome. It was awesome to meet Sid. Got to meet her dad. Got to you know understand where he came from. And he went to UC Davis, and then Sid just graduated and what she, want, like what she wants to do next. So um, just awesome to connect, and that's what it's all about. It's like going to this game, and I think I remember Sid asking me, like, what do you expect? I was like, I'll be very honest. Like, you know who I am. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> I run, I run an optimistic, I, I run optimistic and I think we're going to get this win. Like I feel good about it. And, um, you know, I'm not always right about that. I'm more often wrong than I am right. Most likely. But, um, what I'm not wrong about is, you know, the fact that Cal continues to produce amazing special graduates. And, uh, it's amazing to connect with more and more people in this community. So, Big shout out to all the Cal fans out there. And honestly, please, please come out for the USC game. I know Avi just tweeted that it's bad if we have more fans in attendance and over 40K. I don't care. Come out to the game. I'm so excited. Let's let's beat this SC team. And yeah, let's have a party. I'm so, so stoked for that game. I mean, added on to that, the player aspect of this. It's the Joe Roth Memorial game, which means we'll be wearing our Joe Roth unis. It's the last game of the season, and it also means it's senior day. Some of these guys might come back, but we don't know if home they will game. be. Right? Home game. Last home yeah. game. Yeah. Last home game. Yeah. Last home game. And what did I say? Last oh, game sorry. Of the last season. home game of the season. Uh, so this might be the last time you guys see some of these players like wearing the blue and gold on Memorial at FTX Field at Memorial Stadium. So... Uh, yeah, you got to come out. And on that note, there's one more, one last question, which is from John Clemens. He asks, what are the odds Chase comes back for another season to try and build an NFL resume? Uh, I can kind of start with this. As I've, as I've said, I, I think I've said this on a prior pod. Some things that I've heard is that he has, that he has piqued the interest of NFL scouts, right? Does that mean he's going to get drafted? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he falls in the top 10 quarterback list right now. But there are aspects to his game that pique the interest of NFL scouts. Now, what he decides to do with that, whether he decides to declare for the NFL draft this year and try and showcase that, or if he thinks what he's showcasing is enough, or, you know, so on. I don't know. And Wilcox has said, uh, I can quote Wilcox on this, uh, they asked him about Chase's eligibility coming back next year, and he said all of the guys in that class and below who get that extra COVID year, they've uh, they've had that conversation with them preseason, and they talked about the mentality going into the season, whether you're going to take it as this is my last year playing college football or, you know, I'm going to have another year, so on. But they're going to have that. This is midseason right now they're going to have that conversation again with all of those guys after the season is over and what they decide to do from there. And he said that they're going to, you know, he says the whole draft talk thing, right? Where it's like, he's going to give them all the best advice that he can possibly give those guys. 
and uh, move forward with that information. And they asked them about they asked about the waiver, and they were like, "Yeah, like you still have to submit a waiver, but it's essentially guaranteed another year." So that's where we are. We'll see what happens. I think uh, I think Wilcox said it right. It's it's not a question of they need to think about that now. Right now, what they need to focus on is getting wins. They're not going to focus on the future stuff until later. But that's where that I'm is. Looking at like NFLDraftScout.com and a couple of these others, there's not really much in there. It's projection, nothing for projected round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not um, on like any boards or anything like that yet. But there, there are some but, things that people are intrigued about with his game. I, yeah, I think like I think that. You, if you're in the top 15 of quarterbacks in college football, then you're going to be in the conversation for the next level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, let's look at Davis Mills. Would you all be convinced that Davis Mills is that much better or better? Or how do you compare Davis Mills to Chase Garbers? Right? And I think that's always somewhat helpful. Yeah. It's not how NFL scouts yeah. look at it, but I mean, it's I'm looking helpful. at the Saints and I'm going. Trevor Simeon has carved out a very nice NFL career for himself, and I did not think he would have this type of career coming out of Northwestern. So it, you never know. You just honestly, you never know. Like I thought, Davis Webb would see the field at some point. He's yet to see an NFL regular game. Yeah. Yep. So. That's where it is, uh, Andy. You shouted out your vic. Uh, that's so. That's all the questions. So. You shouted out the Victor Cannon. You said it was me and everyone. I would probably argue the same. It was really cool seeing like a bunch of like Twitter people that follow us and um, are like, oh yeah, you know, like I came by to like say hello and and so on. It's really great. Uh, so anyone uh, who wants to come by and say hello to us for the SE game, you're more than welcome to. Just hit us in the DMs, which by the way, you can find us at Golden Bearcast on Twitter, at Golden Bearcast. You can find all our written stuff at Rifer California. You can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at Andy J. Beastman. And if you're listening to this podcast, you already found us, so I don't need to wear, I don't need to tell you where to find our podcast on podcast services around the world and on the interwebs. And that's it for us. It's Beat Arizona Week. Let's go exercise some more demons out of this, that damn stuff. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. A long one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.